What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. I want to warn you that I may get a little heated um, on the podcast today, not at you guys, but at myself a little bit for um, doing, if not all of these things I'm going to mention, but at least some of them um, that I'll mention on today's episode. I see it every day, guys. Young photographers and videographers holding themselves back from growing and becoming successful. And honestly, when I first started out, I, I wish that I was more open to listening to criticism or asking and even taking advice from others. A lot of times we don't um, ask for advice from other creatives or other you know professionals in our industry because they probably you're going to assume they're not going to tell you the like the correct thing to do, maybe because they're you know directly in your competition in your head, but. I've always been a component of, you know, community over competition. I think that a lot of times it's paid out in my favor more because if I'm really nice with people, even if they're directly in my competition, if they can't take a booking or they're already booked or something like that happens, they're going to refer to the person that they've had good convos with, especially if they both grow, grew together well. Um, I was listening to a podcast once where a photographer, this is before social media, he said this was in like 2007 or eight. Um, he had four friends that were like industry friends per se, um, that he would meet up with. They would meet up together, um, once a year and they would alternate which place they met in their four hometowns. So they would either all travel or somebody would stay there and everybody would come to them. And all they would do was at least sit down and talk about what marketing strategies worked in their local area so that they weren't, you know, doing marketing strategies that were directly competing with their competitors. Now, this was in the days before before not, before Instagram, before all these platforms like social media. So it's obviously a different time. Um, a lot of people's marketing strategies are sitting online for you to like go read and learn how to do. It's just about implementation. But really cool idea and kind of I, I kind of want to, you know, piggyback off that component by obviously me doing this podcast. I talk a lot about the stuff that I'm doing in my business that you guys could easily implement. I mean, there's so many episodes on here, you know, pricing yourself correctly, how to run Facebook ads, Instagram ads, all of this stuff, how to market for free on my podcast that I literally do to book business. So I'm saying to you guys, do these and you might be able to book business too. Anyways, I'm going off topic here, but often you will hear people around you say, don't close off other people that are trying to teach you on a topic that you already know so much about. This applies to so many things in life. It could be financial advising, could be exercising at the gym, um, cooking, and the list goes on on this topic. And in the beginning, I was definitely someone um, that thought they had it all figured out and what to do. Uh, and you don't ever want to be that guy in the gym where you see, I mean, you're doing something incorrectly. You would wish somebody would come up to you and say, hey, you know, I know it looks like you're first starting out, you're just starting out, like you're doing this wrong. I've been working out for like seven or eight years. This is the proper way to do it. Now, most people that are in that guy's position who would be giving the advice may be in a tough spot because they want to say something, but they're worried to because they don't want to be perceived as like a douchebag. So sometimes it takes somebody just asking like, hey, do you work out here often? Like, do you work out often? Like, is this the correct form for this? I'm just starting out, you know, something like that. I don't think we do that enough in this industry. But 
I, I tried to do that with this podcast. I wanted to talk about this topic this week because if I can help just two or three of you guys, that would just be awesome um, and stuff like that. So I'm going to hop into the content of today's episode. I want to preface that there's no particular order in these mistakes. There's no particular order on um, on of what I would execute first either. I'm not perfect. I still have flaws in my business as a personal human being and then also as just like, you know, the operator and the, and the owner of my company. Um, but a lot of times... I try to jot down the things that I think I'm doing wrong throughout the year, maybe reread them like, you know, around this time, actually, when I'm setting goals for myself. I want to do a whole episode on like goals for your business. Um, Sorry, guys. Um, In 2021, but that'll come out in the next month or so when everybody's kind of doing their New Year's resolutions, basically a New Year's resolutions for your business episode. Um, But first thing first, I think the biggest thing, it's funny, I said these were no order, but I put this one first because it's just the first one I naturally thought of. And it's constantly comparing your work to other people. I see this every day. I've, I hear it from other photographers that I follow that are like, oh, have you seen so-and-so's work? It's so beautiful or so this or so that. And I can tell that sometimes they say it in a way of like, I wish my work looked like them. You know what I mean? I wish that I was able to book weddings like they book or stuff like that. You know, and opportunities will come. Things will come, I and you know you have to kind of bounce on those and and go above and beyond. Sometimes I shot a wedding once where the the couple hired me for a four. It was a four to five minute edit. Now I looking back, I, I was realizing this. While I was writing out this episode and the notes I wanted to talk about. I probably should have asked them before I did this, but the wedding was so beautiful. There was such great dialogue from the day. I I couldn't fathom the idea of editing it down to four to five minutes. And I had two shooters. There was two of us there, so it was like. I just edited them a nine minute, I think a nine and a half minute video. So I ended up giving them the larger package absolutely for free just because it was a venue I'd never worked at before. The They spent a lot of money on their wedding. I think they just didn't have a lot left over in their budget for videography. So when I was first starting out, I was cheaper. So I think they booked me around like a $1,300 price point at the time for like a three to five minute video. And I ended up editing a 10 minute video because for me, I wanted to have something that stood out for myself. It was a beautiful day as far as like color-wise. Like I was able to expose everything perfectly. And color grading, it was a breeze to get down the exact look I wanted. There was just so much dialogue. I had every component of the day. So I went above and beyond it and created work that I absolutely loved. Now, part of me says that, you know, comparing yourself to other people will, will, will help you progress. And I think that was the situation for me was... I didn't have any long films at that time that were like really impactful all the way through. You know, I had a bunch of films that were nine, eight, ten minutes, but the last like minute and a half was just like, or two minutes even was just like all reception dancing footage, you know? So like I wanted to break that. I wanted to go away from that. And I had an awesome wedding film that I could, you know, fulfill um, on a project that, you know, I'd seen other creatives do. And that's what I did. So constantly comparing yourself and your work to other people, um, other photographers and videographers in your industry will lead you down a wrong path. But unless you're doing it on a positive manner where, you know, you see somebody's, you know, an Instagram post and don't forget that Instagram and Facebook and all these places, are they're the highlight reel. They are all your best work in one place. So like you are seeing people's best work. Um, but comparing yourself to, you know, some of your favorite creatives will help you get your creative juices going. I just think you shouldn't let it beat you up don't let it beat you up beat you down and think like oh sh- i'm crappy i'm never gonna get to this person's standpoint that's the first thing you should stop doing is constantly comparing yourself to um other other people's works um the second thing i randomly thought of when i was thinking in this past year like what are some stuff i had written down um and i was late to a few shoots and 
being late to a few to a few shoots reminded me of of why I like to be a little bit early <laughs> and being early and as much as you know we are very time oriented we're in a very time oriented business of being there eight hours six hours ten hours whatever your coverage is um, arriving 30 minutes early may sound like Ugh, I gotta be there 30 minutes early for what like just to sit there but you never know what's gonna happen on the road you never know how the parking situation will be at a hotel unless you do some research beforehand but rushing or running late to shoots is probably one of the worst things I experience as far as killing creativity because when when you're rushing, you don't have time to think of other things. If, if you have an engagement session scheduled for 5 p.m. and the sun sets at 6.30 and they have two outfits and you're 25 minutes late, well, now you have an hour to shoot two outfits in you know, two possible different locations. So you're not going to have time to try out different things or try to remember different poses you wanted to do or see different poses because you're just going to get the ones you need because you're running out lighter or something like that. That's just one specific example. Um, and also, it's just a bad look on you showing up late. Um, definitely doesn't help with your client experience if they're just sitting in the car or, God forbid, outside waiting for you or something like that in a hot state. Um, and then lastly, it just kills the vibe on the whole shoot. You showing up late, they're going to feel like rush. They're going to feel that you're rushing them. Um, and I think that those, those, all of those things accumulating will definitely kill um, your creativity and then in essence carrying over and killing your growth because if this happens multiple times and such and such, then it's just constantly kind of kind of disturbing um, your growth as a, as a photographer and videographer. The next thing I want to reference to is overbooking your calendar. This is something that I learned in 2019, which was my second year. I hadn't really cha like changed or altered or upped my pricing um, a lot from 2018 to 2019 because I'd only did like 12 or 10 weddings in 2018. And I was like, oh, that's not a lot. Let me just like book a bunch in 2019. And I completely overbooked myself. Um, I was just constantly, constantly editing. It was nonstop. I booked so many weddings at a cheap price point. Um, it was to the point where 2020 would come and I and I was shooting a wedding on a Friday for like the like a very very small package, and then the next following day, let's say a morning I booked four or five months out um, for 2020, I was making three times the amount and and. That's a problem that we'll go over a little bit later in the episode, but first you really need to understand your personal stress levels when it comes to your work. Um, I think that a lot of people can, you know, like doctors and other jobs like that, we work very long hours or people like firefighters that work like two days on, one day off or whatever, um, whatever their schedules are, um, they... They have a higher stress level, in my opinion. Um, you know, you constantly have to be vigilant. You constantly have to be there. And you have to kind of understand what that stress level is for you when it comes to pertaining to your business, when it comes to editing, when it comes to shooting, um, working with clients, talking with clients. How quickly do you get stressed in those situations? And then also understand how long it takes you to work. How long does it take you to edit a full wedding gallery to your liking um, from start to finish? Um, how long does it take you to edit a wedding film? How what are the what are the parts in there that are stressful, and how much time do those take? Understanding th these things can really help you understand what is um, the max amount you can work in in a year in a calendar year. Because if you don't know these numbers and you're just booking 50, 60 weddings, and those 50, 60 weddings come, and you're like, holy crap, I have 22 weddings to edit, and I have two more this weekend, and then my whole calendar is booked down next year with 40 plus weddings. So it's like you have to figure something out. Um, so definitely understanding your stress levels and how you work is a huge component in understanding when you are overbooking and stuff like that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is 
um, your, your pricing and stuff like that. And I think this correlates um, definitely with overbooking your challenge, your your calendar. If you're under constantly undercharging for your work, you're gonna find that you will usually be overbooking, and you're never really gonna be too excited for the shoots that you are doing. If you always spend, if you always charge fifteen hundred dollars for a for a wedding film um, or two thousand for a gallery, and you've been doing that for four or five years. Not only would I say, A, there may be a problem with either, A, you not caring to up your price or being content at, you know, how much you've been making for the past four or five years or scared to, um, but undercharging for your work is horrible because you will never be able to fully commit to the clients that you did book because you have so many of them and it's just kind of hard to keep up um, and stuff like that. And, and honestly, I find myself really battling with this because passing up on, on, you know, more bookings and in essence, more income is very difficult to do. And also, you know, understanding that, hey, I charge 1500 now, but if I move it to 2500 I will make the same amount of money but book less work. You know, relying on that can be stressful and tough to mentally uh, to mentally think about in your head um, and whatnot and stuff. But also corresponding with this is when you are when you do overbook your clients you have i find that a lot of photographers and videographers explain to me they have a tough time responding to emails and text and being tentative to all the clients that they um they are proud to you know to have on their books for the calendar year if you have 50 60 clients and you're getting you know a bunch of emails each week it's hard to respond to those and then also responding to inquiries while also maintaining your website, while also posting on social media, while also editing those weddings from last weekend. There's so much that you as a single person have to have to understand that you're gonna have to be control you're gonna have to control of. And a lot of times this will kind of correlate over to a lot of other negative things in your business when you're just sitting there constantly stressed, not responding to emails, undercharging for your work, etc. Okay, so before we continue on here, I have a favor to ask you guys. If you could take a few seconds to give the podcast a five-star review, that would be awesome. A five-star review is huge because it will help other photographers and videographers find the podcast and enjoy it as well. Thanks, and let's get back to the episode. So I've talked about before how important having a marketing strategy or plan is huge and also a budget for this marketing strategy or plan. Um, I did a whole other episode on a client experience that included um, kind of using the client experience as a marketing strategy and investing into that um, and having your clients kind of market for you. And that's an amazing episode. It has um, it has great download numbers because I think that people are st- finally starting to understand that when you have a client that absolutely is in love with what you did and work you produce, that they will basically self-market for you. If they're a friend or friend of a friend is getting married, they're going to refer you. Then you do the same cl- experience for that person and they're going to refer you so on and so forth. Um, but early on, I had a f- I definitely had a huge failure in effectively writing out um, a marketing plan and a budget, which is weird because you know my background when I was at the University of South Florida was business management and we took a lot of marketing classes in that degree. And I also, my I had two other extra electives that I specifically chose for marketing because during my junior and senior year is kind of when I started taking um, photography more seriously and wanting to, and kind of understanding what I knew that I eventually one day I would like to do something to where I can make money from it. Um, and not effectively writing out a good marketing plan um, can really hinder your growth because throughout the year you're going to find yourself just kind of doing whatever you think is the best strategy um, or think uh, may, more so maybe effectively 
not marketing yourself well because you may be seeing what others are doing and think, oh, let me just copy that or do that. Um, and there's so many different strategies out there. I mean, you have people that f solely invest in, you know, in their clients that 100%, that's where their marketing dollars go. You have people that invest heavy into social media ads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok even now. You have a lot of people that kind of do like a little bit of mix of both other people that invest heavy into um, being on preferred vendor, vendor list. And again, some of this stuff will change within your area, but by not really having an actual marketing plan in the budget that, to use for your marketing, um, that's going to just really put you back because you're going to find later on in life when you finally do pick up an idea or a strategy, you're going to be like, wow, if I would have just implemented something like this three, four years ago, I could have grown a lot more ex or a lot exponentially faster um, and, you know, quicker and stuff like that, guys, is, is, is very crucial with your business, especially marketing. I can't express to you guys how helpful that's been for me. I currently have a, a few different marketing strategies. Um, specific to lens culture, um, my photography business, and you know some of those being obviously the client experience, some of them being social media ads, and then lastly is just a relationship with vendors. That's always that's been really really big for me. Last year, uh, I want to say if I remember correctly, it was like thirty eight percent of my bookings came from relationship with vendors, going above and beyond for vendors, um, helping other vendors out, and then over fifty something percent came from venues, and then a small percentage from. Um, social media and another small percentage from paid channels like paid to be on a, a venue list or even just Instagram and Facebook ads and stuff like that. But definitely write out yourself a good marketing plan and listen to the other photographers in your industry that have said to do this yourself. A common thing you can think about guys is that if you hear multiple other people saying that they're doing it or that it's worked for them, um, I'd like to say it can work for you and it probably can and it probably will. But if you're not executing it correctly, then it's definitely not... Um, and this, and this goes for everything. You know, I'm constantly saying that about all the, uh, in the episodes I publish on our podcast is that everything I talk about, I like to stress the importance of it because I don't want to just talk about like random gibberish on here that really doesn't have any merit in your business. You know, I did a whole um, a segment and I think a few episodes ago on stressing the importance of quality control, especially in that episode I did with editing your wedding films more efficiency or efficiently. And having good quality control in, in your images and in your wedding films is huge. And I think not a lot of people are stressing the importance of this is because it's just like I always say with restaurants or with, I mean, restaurants is a big one or, or, or something else as well. Um, when you go to a McDonald's in Ohio and you go to a McDonald's in Florida, you're going to get the same exact cheeseburger. Um, in certain areas, you may get something different. I know there's like a Hawaiian Chick-fil-A in Georgia or something, which is kind of interesting. But you know you're going there and you're getting something different. Obviously, country to country, that may vary. I know that McDonald's and other countries, are their food tastes a little bit different. Um, but, you know, you're going to get really good quality control at places like McDonald's. And people probably most likely want that with your wedding films and your images. They want to make sure that the color and the, the editing you do on your photos is consistent you know, through all your galleries, you can make a change in your editing style. I would say kind of slowly work that into your portfolio instead of completely just switching your change or maybe make that change on your marketing platforms first and then slowly implement it into your gallery. So like people that book you after, let's say you've been posting a new editing style for two months after if they book you at that point, they're probably seeing that new editing style. So you're probably good to go on editing their photos that way. Um, unless they definitely definitely reference some sort of gallery or wedding film on your website that's not that way. Um, but definitely, I think that 
um, effectively stressing the importance of quality control in your business will make a huge leap um, when it comes to growing faster and um, also just growing on a very consistent pace. A really good way that I stress quality control on myself is by creating lists. So I have a list that I go through and check off while I'm at engagement sessions. It's just on my notepad, um, making sure that I got specific photos, photos with space on the left for text, space on the right for text, space above for text. Um, let's see what else do I do. I always do a GIF at every single engagement session, a Ben, a Brenheiser style photo at every single engagement session. I try to take, I try to not be married to just one lens. I try to make my, my galleries look impactful by having different focal ranges, a 24 millimeter, an 85, a 55, etc. Um, and then some really, really tight, maybe F2, um, or 200, uh, millimeter photos. Um, just lists like that that really help you stay consistent. So every couple that you do an engagement session with is going to achieve the same um, end result. And that's huge when it comes to our business. You know what I mean? And again, like I said, editing styles can change and definitely can change during the season too for those that shoot in like really cold um, places, maybe even where it snows. But staying consistent and having good quality control is huge. Um, and again, with this, there's so much that go coincides with this as well. I mean, that list I was talking about, I come to shoots as efficiently prepared as possible, sending questionnaires out to two brides, two couples prior. Now, there has been instances where, you know, they haven't responded to emails or texts or anything, or they got super busy or something came up in life and, and they didn't fill out the questionnaire. Those days usually for me suck because I have no clue where I'm going. I'm a more stressful person when like I'm like stressed if I'm going to capture everything I need to delivery film that is quality controlled um but inefficiently preparing for your shoots and for just client anything client calls anything um will definitely set you back and you know make you understand and, and it'll help you understand that once you do start efficiently preparing arriving on time understanding exactly what you want maybe even methodically thinking for the edit in mind in reference to films here um on the shoot day this will help you out drastically guys huge huge <laughs> okay moving on so next thing copying others um i go over this uh here and there on my instagram story because i think a lot of people start to copy others and reference to guys presets are not copying others um you are taking a style but the photograph itself you're posing where you're putting them the light you're giving them in a lot of that is um, obviously contingent on the couples, like, you know, choosing what they're wearing and stuff, but also like where you place them and the light you put them in and stuff like that. And the small tweaks you make, that's all contingent on you guys. And a lot of times I think copying others is a really good way to get the creative juices flowing. But if you're just blatantly just copying others because, oh, they make a lot of money, I'll just keep doing what they do so that... Um, I can make a lot of money and that necessarily won't always work because you don't have that like crazy, um, oh, sorry guys, that crazy passion in what you're doing. So definitely take inspiration from others, but don't copy. Copying won't get you anywhere. You'll never find your own style um, and you're consistently just kind of living your whole life copying others. This kind of coincides, um, my frustration with the copying others part coincides with a, a talking point in this episode that I personally have never truly understand or could get behind. And it's the mentality, I've talked about it before, guys, of the client can't tell the difference. I've said this maybe like at least 10 times over the f almost 50 episodes, guys, on this podcast. Um, but the client can't tell the difference mentality has got to be one of my least favorites because 
what that says to me, if I ever hear a vendor says that, I'll never refer a vendor that says that. I just want to come out and blatantly say that. And I'm not like, you know, again, I'm not the best here or the say all be all. But when a, when a vendor to me says the client can't tell the difference, what that says to me is they're not, they don't care to go above and beyond, even if they have the means to. You know, if uh, the best example for this is like, I don't know, like a 20, like a photographer or videographer shooting on a 24 to 70 or 12 millimeter videographer all day, but they have the other lenses and options to be versatile and switch things up and keep it impactful. And they don't want to because, and I do air quotes here, the client can't tell the difference. They don't, they don't care to go the extra mile, take the extra step to really produce something absolutely beautiful um, and blow out and blow away their, their, their clients and couples. Um, Obviously, yes, in the end, Will the client really not know the difference? Probably not, unless they have some sort of photography or videography background. Um, maybe if somebody points it out to them, but I think it's more so the mentality of of being a uh, being a working professional that you really just are kind of okay with being on the basic end or the consistent, basically consistent basic end. Um, you're never really going to go above and beyond, and therefore I probably would never refer any other um, vendors to other people that kind of like have that mentality. I mean. Ask yourself this, if you had a photographer that said, you know, the client can't tell the difference, are you going to refer that photographer to shoot your photo, your sister's wedding or your brother's wedding? Probably not, <laughs> and stuff like that. But then again, like I said, guys, this is all personal preference. I'm not the end all be all here. I'm just kind of expressing things that I've written down over the past year and a half about, you know, lists of mistakes I've made. This next one is huge for me. Um, I feel personally attacked, including this on this list, because I was literally the exact person I'm telling you not to be on this next talking point. And I know some of you guys are probably currently are listening, thinking, what is he about to say? And I'm telling you, probably some of you guys are going to are gonna feel attacked as well because you're probably doing it right now. And it's the lack of understanding um, when to outsource on things that you suck at. And it's simply, it's true. You're going to go a long way when you outsource things that you suck at and they are actually better for your business. Um, I don't know why I compare this to it, but I was recently watching um, Shark Tank. A lot of you guys probably know that show where people go in and pitch their ideas of businesses, and you know the sharks can invest in it. And you hear sometimes people saying like, "Oh, like they why did they take a deal that would give up thirty percent of their company, forty percent of their company?" Well, I I see this from my perspective now of the whole outsourcing thing because let's say you don't. Um, and I want to put it in terms for you guys to understand, but then go back to the shark taking. Let's say you really suck at graphic design. Like you suck at graphic design, but you really want to make really nice, like, um, pricing guides for your, your photography business or your videography business. Well, you can do, you know, what most people are going to do and sit down and go on YouTube or, or buy a template and kind of change the template up. But sometimes paying that $600, like if you buy a template on Etsy for 20 bucks to create a pricing guide. Um, and you do it yourself, fine, it looks good, but you pay somebody $600 to create a literal custom pricing guide for you that is reflective on your brand, reflective on your style, reflective on your personality. You book one more wedding because of that pricing guide, because of how professional it made you look, because of how, um, how much it reflected your brand. It literally pays for itself. Now, I'm not sitting here saying to outsource everything. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in certain scenarios where you're not going to do as good as a job as somebody that's a, a paid professional, just like our industry, um, you know, the wife's or the um, bride-to-be's sister may own a Canon T2i, 
but she's not going to do nearly as great a job as we would do photographing that wedding. Kind of the same example. Same thing with the Shark Tank thing. You know, people could not take a deal because um, from the sharks because they, they lose 30% of their company. But if they're only going to make a million dollars every year after that for the rest of their life, why would they pass up on making, you know, a total of $8 million and giving away $2 million of it to the shark? You know what I mean? So it's like, I'd much rather give away $2 million to make $6 million than give away nothing to make a million, if, if, if you get what I'm saying. Um, because a lot of times these people aren't, you know, insanely business savvy people. They just kind of started a business with a great idea. Oh gosh, we are blowing through these guys today. And, and honestly, I'm loving it because I feel like I'm getting this off my chest, if that makes sense. Um, the last two points are quite, the second last thing is trying to be the jack of all trades. Um, again, another thing that a lot of people will experience in the beginning and then slowly fade away once they start to understand what they like to do. I think that, um, we still will be at a point where we'll still take, um, stuff we don't like to do just purely for the money. Um, and I would say once you kind of leave that mentality, you're going to see real growth in the thing you do like to do because you can invest more time into it. For me, not a big family sessions guy. I don't like posing and dealing with a bunch of five, six, eight, ten year olds. Um, for me, I'd rather just take photos of couples. I'd rather take maternity photos. I would rather take um, just photos with adults. I'm just not a big. I love kids. I don't get me wrong. Love kids. I want my own kids one day. I just. I don't know what it is. I just. It's a annoying, frustrating, um, stressful, and then also just very time consuming, just to take pictures of a family of six with two six a six year old an eight year old a 12 year old and like the mom and dad and the dad doesn't even want to be there you know what i mean so it's like i've just never really been a good family photos guy um so for that reason i don't want to be a jack of all trades i want to be specific on what i love doing the most and that's shooting weddings engagements and just portraiture with you know two three maybe four people max um, and that's just my my personal preference and you know for you you guys you may set up be listening to this out there thinking I love weddings, but I also love shooting newborns, or I love shooting, um, you know, uh, coming home celebrations of veterans coming home, stuff like that. And when you niche down and you be specific about what you like to shoot, a lot of times you'll book better clients because in the end, when you're hiring, another great example, the examples are just flowing on this episode today, guys. Um, Another great example is when you're getting your house built. Do you want somebody that, you know, does drywall, tile, and bathrooms but also does like roofs sometimes or do you want a roofing company do you want a company that like literally builds roofs like that's what they do you know that's kind of a great way to put it um do you want a pilot that also you know is a professional ping pong player and this is a horrible example i'm gonna ditch that one you get what i'm saying guys sometimes people really just want to hire you know somebody that's really good at two three specific things not eight seven gazillion things but What an episode, guys. I'm so pumped to kind of get this stuff out there for whoever's listening still this late in the episode um, to kind of take away. I know this episode was all over the place and sort of a mini rant, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Again, if you could take a few seconds to leave a five-star review, that'd be so helpful. Um, I'm really excited um, with the new year approaching. I definitely want to do an episode, like I said, on like New Year's resolutions for your business and stuff like that. But hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Talk to you next week. Peace.